Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Kayla McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. What is going on, everybody? It's time for a new episode of the Internet World Order. And to that I say, yippee ki mother effers. I'm not going to curse. I know. I'm not going to let it happen. But <laughs> it's time for us to talk about the single greatest Christmas movie to ever grace the silver screen. And that is Die Hard. I am so happy we're covering this. And for a multitude of reasons. One, great movie. Two, anyone who tells you it's not a Christmas movie, you don't need that negativity in your life. Cut them out. Slightly kidding. And <laughs> They're wrong, though. Yes, they are wrong. And we're going to cover why today, because one of the things from watching this again, because uh, we were discussing uh, beforehand, uh, it's been a while since I watched the movie all the way through. And so... Watching all the way through again, I am now more convinced it's a Christmas movie, and we'll break down why as we go through it. Precisely. There's a lot of things about this movie, and Caleb, I was mentioning, you know, we were talking before we got on air. I'm about to drop a bomb on you. Okay. Until recently, I had never seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't go around telling people that because they get big mad. <laughs> I get, wouldn't be mad. I'd just be like, okay. Uh, they, they get so angry. That. And I was like, well, I'll just watch it. And they're like, why have you not already? And it's like, dude, I can just watch it. Like, <laughs> like calm down. And that would be my reaction. Like, let's go. Let's fix this right now. <laughs> okay. That's an easy fix. And <laughs> I had seen Live Free or Die Hard because. When I was younger, my parents wanted to show me like a diehard movie and they wanted to show me the original one. And I was like, I'm in for that. But then they saw the rating and they're like, oh, we don't know if he's ready for that yet. So I watched Live Free or Die Hard first because I am still a youngin. And unpopular opinion, I actually really like Live Free or Die Hard, but my goodness, these movies are different. <laughs> the they are, yeah. And I, I like Live Free or Die Hard as well. But yeah, it it really tells you like it's kind of funny because you know, since we've covered Alien and Terminator, talk about a difference from the very first movie to what they it becomes later on. Yeah, they they drastically like I mean with Alien at least the they were like, okay, well, it's just a different movie in general. Like, you know, they they took the genre and went, well, we can just do something different with a similar concept and it'll still work, which they were right. <laughs> yeah. And because Aliens is a masterpiece. This was, I think Aliens was two years before Die Hard because Die Hard was right at like the end of the 80s. And the interesting thing about Die Hard, especially for the 80s, like everyone kind of loves the 80s, like particularly people who, I've never, well, who weren't around for the 80s. They seem to love it. <laughs> and <laughs> that includes me too. 
(laughs) Big Motley Crue fan here, I know. And the interesting thing about this movie is that it kind of like bucks the reins of what an 80s action movie would normally be because we had, you know, we had Schwarzenegger, we had Chuck Norris making action movies. You know, we had Canon films making like these intense, like superhero, like the whole plot behind the expendables, which is last 10 years, like the whole plot behind the expendables has literally been action heroes who quip and are completely invincible. Yeah. And Uh, that's not this movie like live for your die hard. Granted, like, John McClane is pretty invincible in Live Free or Die Hard, but it is amazing to watch. This movie <laughs> is so drastically reduced to being grounded, which I love because it makes me way more invested in what's going on. And that's, I think, the special thing about like the John McClane character when they first started off was that this character could die. And I was convinced at some point, like, it is completely possible that he could potentially die granted i've seen too many movies i know it's not going to happen but the illusion of like oh this could go wrong is very real plus we had alec alan rick i can't say his name (laughs) excuse me we have the wonderful alan rickman in this movie and i miss him every day now because oh it's so sad this is honestly what i knew him from before harry potter and just funny little sidebar because i just don't know where else I would be able to uh, put in the story because I, when I was dri- uh, driving for Uber, when I used to live in Los Angeles, I was driving a guy and it was right after uh, Rickman passed away. And this guy got in my car. He was very drunk. And <laughs> uh, he was like, man, you know, Rickman passed away. I'm so sad. I was like, yeah, man, Hans Gruber. And he went, you know him from as Hans. I was like, yeah, of course, Die Hard. The dude lost his mind because I was the first person to not immediately think of Snape. Yeah, I mean, different generation, man. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, like, well, he he's British, right? I believe. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. He was English. Okay. I'm. I'm yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And he did. I mean, to his credit, he did a good job portraying himself to be, well, to be German despite being British. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. He did. Well, I mean, he's a pro, man. He's so good oh, at what he does. I bought it. I was like, I know he's not, but that's literally what acting is. He's <laughs> convincing me otherwise. Yep. And he's a good villain in this because I don't feel like he's overpowered. He is kind of like McLean in that he uses his strengths to his advantage. Yes. And one of the interesting things about like, because they're not that different from each other. Like John McClane started off as like, well, number one, it is so weird seeing Bruce Willis with hair. It makes me almost uncomfortable. <laughs> I almost right? prefer that he not have hair. <laughs> I think he looks better that way. But <laughs> that's just well, you me. get so used to it. It would be like now, especially with us being wrestling fans, it'd be like if you saw The Rock come out with yeah. like his late 90s hair, you'd be like, Stop it. No, <laughs> no, I'd boo him. I, <laughs> sorry, bro. It's, it's just funny because like he's really good at being an everyman in this movie. And, you know, we're just going to jump right into the plot. Like we're not going to try and spend too much time on like the little itty bitty parts of it. But it's one of the most interesting things about like the John McClane character is that he's not 
exactly like this big muscular hero man. Like he doesn't, he's not built like Superman or Batman. He's just a dude. I mean, like he's in good shape and he's handsome and he's got the leading man look without all the muscles that come with being like a typical action hero, like Schwarzenegger in predator a year before that man was thick. (laughs) He, well, all the dudes in that movie, body, yeah, prime bodybuilder Arnie is uh, a sight to behold, even still to this day. I mean, that's why they have competitions named after him <laughs> for world's strongest yeah. man. Like he understandably and very deservedly so has that title. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's vegetarian now or like he doesn't eat red meat anymore. And he like eats mostly like vegan stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and but he's still stronger than me, and I was like, "Ugh, I need, to, <laughs> I need to get my life together. <laughs> like, what am I doing?" Right. <laughs> but he, um, yeah. so he was basically like the action star around that time for the most part. But Bruce Willis really carved out his name with this one, duh. And it's interesting watching him just being a normal person. Like you know, we see in the beginning that he has a gun when he's getting off the plane, and that guy's kind of like giving him some advice about how to get over like you know, a fear of flying. And mm-hmm. then he sees he has a gun. And he's like, ah, don't worry. It's like, I'm a cop. And like, it helps me with like, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was a wise well, crack. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he did was like, cause the guy was like, cause he gave him the advice of like how to like have your feet on the ground and like get over fear of flying. He's like, Oh, I've been flying for nine years. And when he sees the gun, he gets all nervous. You know, McLean's like, I've been, a, he goes, don't worry. I've been a cop for 11 years. Yeah. That's the line. <laughs> yeah, And then that the the stewardess looks at him and you can see like, oh, she's attracted to him. And I was like, it's interesting because now we know everything we need to know about this guy. <laughs> like, number yeah. one, he's a ladies man. He's very charismatic and he's a cop. That's, you know, the main things that we need to know about him. And he's a family man. He's, you know, visiting family. So, yeah, that's where the, I think the detail, the nice little, well, not little because it's a giant teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> I love like, that teddy bear, bro. <laughs> I like how he's like awkwardly trying to get off the plate with it. But, um, it's, it looks so out of place. <laughs> and I love that too because, like, to your point, of like, they establish everything you need so quickly. That teddy bear also is like, yeah, he's not here to see, like, he's, he's like, he's here to see obviously someone important and you naturally assume either girlfriend or wife. Mm hmm. Because who else are you going to buy a giant teddy bear for? Yeah, I oof, that was when we discovered that that was rough, but I it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be when, of course. you know, like it's an R rated movie and like with Bruce Wilson, I'm like, oh, no, this is going to get messy. It kind of does, but the violence does. But the yeah. other areas where you would expect it to maybe get maybe like dark or something, mm-hmm. it doesn't go where you think it would. Right. And it's and a pleasant surprise. This is probably the the most violent movie we've covered on this podcast outside of the terminator it's it's pretty close but yeah honestly it's like this one actually kind of surprised me because like i'd seen so many bits and pieces of this movie over the years and i was like this isn't even that bad and going back and watching i was like actually yeah (laughs) i'm glad that like the human drama was there too and like the humor because like i was like wow this could this could be pretty dark and we we kind of get to the human drama pretty quickly. And I'm glad that they weren't just like, oh, my gosh, I miss you. Like, 
come back. I need you in my life. Well, I mean, they do actually funny enough, but <laughs> they, well, they do the way they do it is interesting. Like, like I'll, I'll mention that in a second, but like finisher. Yeah. They, they set up the, the dynamic by having him like, we know that they're in the outs because well, number one, he's not really talking about it with his driver who Argyle is amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> Argyle's yes. the most underrated character in this movie. And I wish he'd been in it more. And agree. <laughs> I'm so glad he, we agree on that. Great. He, every time he showed up, I was like, let's go. <laughs> he, he was great. But when he shows up to the building and he's looking up uh, McLean, he's trying to find her name. And then he's just like, oh, like it doesn't show up because you, you look for someone by their last name. And then he types in her, her maiden name and that's where he finds her. And I was like, Oh, like they're going through a divorce and yeah, brilliant way to perfectly sum up like without a ton of exposition and beforehand, like, cause before he shows up, there's a scene where uh, she calls to talk to her kids and her kids still have the last name of McLean. Mm-hmm. So you're just sitting there going like to your, it just really shows like there's a lot going on here. Right, which, which funny enough, I think his daughter in Live Free or Die Hard actually went by Gennaro. Gennaro, I it's been a while since I've seen that one, so I yeah. don't remember. I watched it a couple months ago, and I, I like was putting the pieces. I was like, oh, that's interesting that they brought that back. But <laughs> they have um, like this kind of like high tech, like it's like this big corporate. Like, did they live there? Like, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's just one of those like. It's just a giant. It's a huge like conglomerate business. <laughs> so it's so eighties. It's so eighties. <laughs> oh, and if you think we're exaggerating this, when, when McLean gets to like, because he takes his wife off guard because she's not expecting him because he wants to do the whole like, hey, surprise. Mm-hmm. And so let me let me find the guy's name. Uh, Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Ellis, like who is. Hitting on Holly, which uh, don't, and um, <laughs> bad idea. He gets up to the, yeah, I know, right? But McLean gets up there, and it's right after Harry just took a line of cocaine, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as he goes, yeah, this is a uh, John McLean. He's a cop from New York. You see him immediately, like trying to rub his nose. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, oh no, and like, <laughs> yeah, and McLean just very sarcastically goes you missed a spot <laughs> the the quippy dialogue in this is particularly for mclean it's so good it's peak action cinema like if there's anyone who wants to like well number one don't copy die hard but if you're no. a writer and you want to write an action movie look at the way that john mclean's character is consistently defined by his sarcastic and witty dialogue just saying just throwing that out there and I just the the cocaine, the <laughs> ridiculously weird tech that they have in this place and like all the business people celebrating like this merger, or like the, the closing of this really important deal. It's so 80s. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's just and they're having this giant party and just yeah. And to your point of like how it really does such a good job of just establishing McLean's character and how in a weird way he's almost like a fish it's almost like a fish out of water fish out of water story mm-hmm. in an action film because he's a New York cop. Yeah. He, he's blue collar as they come. Yeah. And now he's in California where as soon as he walks in, a guy kisses him on the cheek and he's just like freaking Californians. <laughs> yeah. He's like <laughs> hippies, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious, <laughs> but it, it's not like in a weird, like 
too macho way where he's like, oh, get away from me. But he's just like, oh, I'm out of my yeah, element. It, it, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a culture shock. It's not a hatred thing. It's just yeah. a, he is not in his comfort zone. And from someone who spent the majority of their life in California, I've seen it happen where people get thrown <laughs> They're just like, uh, uh, it's like, yeah, welcome to a different world, buddy. But <laughs> yeah, no, Ken it's Vouch like Texas. Li- <laughs> Can Vouch lived in LA for eight years. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> California's different, and you know they they have this whole scene where like, you know, John and his wife because they're still married, they're just separated. Yes. and you know she's like, I want you back, and like, I mean, granted, the the dialogue was better than what I'm just saying right now out of you know, my, You're my right. mouth, but <laughs> <laughs> she was telling him, she's like, the kids would love you to be there. I'd love for you to be there. And then he's like, well, is that why you changed your name back? Huh? And she's like trying mm-hmm. to explain to him and controversial opinion. I actually kind of understand where she's coming from. No, and- I do. And I, John actually does too, because after they have their big fight over like, well, why'd you change your last name? And she's like, well, look, you know, the business I'm in, they look down on if you're married. So and he's like, well, is that, are you just trying to hate me? Or are you just trying to, that guy is trying to hit on you. Cause Harry was not subtle. And yeah, no, um, he was horrible about it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, but after she leaves and have their big fight, McLean does look at the mirror and he just goes, good job, McLean. That will get her to like you. <laughs> it was that, that was his fault. Cause she was literally like, I want to work things out. And he's like, Oh, was that why you changed your name? Huh? Which I don't know why I took that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> why are you going to Nicholas Cage on this? Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, Oh, so you changed your name? Like, Oh, you, you don't love me anymore. And I was just like, Oh, this could have easily been avoided. This is such an unnecessary fight, but it makes sense that it would happen. And, and I, that's why I love that. He, like to have that moment where he looks at himself going, why do you always sabotage yourself? <laughs> yeah. He, his character, like he constantly undergoes that change throughout the entirety of this movie. I actually think my teacher talked about Die Hard because I had mentioned something about like, yeah, I kind of want to work with action. And she's like, dude, watch Die Hard. Like, <laughs> like good teacher. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this is the easiest example that I can use for you. And the scene where he's doing that, like, I guess he's in a situation that he didn't necessarily cause. And from that, he's almost kind of like an inactive, like protagonist because yeah. the, the Germans just, well, not the, I'm not just going to call them the Germans. A German yeah. radical yeah. leads a team of terrorists. <laughs> Hans it's Gruber, true. which Hans Gruber is about as <laughs> German as you can get. I know. They literally like, just looked at, they're like, what are some German names? And they're like, Hans, Gruba, and they're like perfect. Run it. the other names? I know the names to you. Carl with a K. Yep. Tony, Franco, Theo, Alexander, Marco, Christoph, Eddie, Uli, Heinrich, and Fritz. <laughs> And are then you, James, you, they just threw one out there like James. Hey, but are you truly a German group if you don't have a Heinrich and a Fritz with you? No, you have to. It's like, oh, yeah, we got Hans and Franz on the group, too. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're gonna go get some Broadwurst after this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can make and fun uh, of that. I'm part German. but <laughs> It's fine. It's No, it's they would understand. But um, uh, It's so German. Point, 
And with what you're hinting, the thing you just like kind of touched on is what makes John different than like other. And the reason we keep bringing this up is because Die Hard was such a different type of action movie, especially when it came out. So that's why we keep bringing this up because unlike in, you know, uh, Arnold movie or a Stallone movie where they're like, we're ex-military or we're like mercenaries. <laughs> like the rock just... in every movie that he's exactly. in. He has like, to be former ex-military because he's too big to be just believed as a normal guy. Exactly. So, and because, and like, and they basically, they searched for the danger. McLean was not searching for any danger. He just wanted to reconnect with his wife. Yeah. So he got plunged into the way I heard, like my dad put it was, he got plunged into being a hero. He got forced to be one. Right. And he wasn't even trying to be a hero. He was just trying to save people because that's what he wants to do. I mean, granted, you know, like a lot of people might look at cops in a different light, but in the frame of the movie, he's just trying to do his job and help people. And that's literally what he does the entire movie. And it's so awesome because he he, he gets so lucky, but this man goes hard <laughs> to save yeah. people. And I have nothing but respect for that. And oh, especially with just the way he gets so beaten up throughout the movie, man. Oh, he takes a beating and it's, it's creative how they use just normal everyday stuff to progress, like his conflict and his challenges forward. And also just a side note, Gruber. So they're trying to get into the vault because McLean's wife is trying, uh, well, she sealed the deal. They're celebrating with the executive from Nakatomi Takagi and they want $640 million, which is enough as is. That's a lot of money, but it's roughly equivalent to about 1.38 billion now. And it's all bonds. So you can't trace it anywhere. It's just, it's basically like cash, but I, I mean, I'm not an accountant or, or I'm not like a banker. <laughs> it's, it's free real estate, but <laughs> it's a, it's a good way to like get money and then hide and run away. And yeah, like, like Hans even says, like before they realize what's happened, we'll be on an Island somewhere just relaxing. Exactly. Also interesting. They weren't trying to be terrorists. No, that's what makes them different. They weren't, they, they weren't like I said, doing the, Common thing, not just in the 80s, common thing you still see in action movies today. We have like a terrorist group that's just trying to kill everyone or make a point or have a ransom. It's like, no, they're here for one reason and one reason only, and that's it. And it's for money, which is very 80s. (laughs) Yes. Again. I love like, there's so many interesting characters on this entire like squad, like the super European brothers who are like, I want to kill McLean now. <laughs> and they, <laughs> because McLean kills that one dude in the in the early part, like he shoots him and sends yeah, the or, body down and he's like, now I have a machine gun. And Gruba's like, this is very interesting. And then the brother's like, I want McLean's head. And, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but with that first one, that, that shows like what you're talking about with him getting lucky. Because the way he ki- like he doesn't get shot, but he like has him like in a chokehold and they fall down the stairs, and that's when his mm-hmm. neck gets snapped. Yeah, he puts his own body on the line and takes a risk, which I mean, granted it looked like it hurt and he acted like it hurt. Oh yeah. And I think helps kind of build up the idea of like, okay, I can actually see this happening. Yeah. And and the way he was kind of checking the body, he was like, wait, that I was not intending for that. Okay. That was a lucky break. Even he's (laughs) like, that was lucky. Oh, it's wild. And 
you know, he sends him to like the iconic where he sends him down the oh, down yeah, the elevator great. and he's like, I have a machine gun now. And they're like, we must find him. Where is he? And he's right above him in the elevator shafts, just crawling around. And, and I love what he did because oh. he's writing down the names as they're just, you know, talking to each other mm-hmm. and he's writing them down. So that way he can. Uh, so one, he can keep up with how many people he has to deal with. But also when he starts to in, like talking directly to with Hans through the walkie talkie, mm-hmm. he can kind of, it helps with it kind of helps him become more of a threat when he knows the name of his men. Yeah, e- exactly. Also right before this, I, I can't believe we skipped over this, but Hans killed Takagi. Oh yeah. And that, <laughs> he straight that's, up murdered him. <laughs> Cause yeah, Takagi was sitting there going, yeah, you'll never get the bonds from us. As soon as Tokyo sees what you're trying to do, they'll lock you out and then you'll get arrested. And he goes, then I don't have a need for you. Bang. Yeah. And I was like, oof. If you, if you had played the, Survivor, you would have been voted out immediately. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, that moment, I think, really, because McLean witnesses it. And that's when he realizes, yeah, they these people might just be like, their big goal is to basically just be a thief. Mm-hmm. But these are uh, murder happy thieves. Right. These are not like, they don't have an honor code. They don't have a, like they just want to get their money by any means necessary. Yeah. And Gruber's not only just a physical threat with his weapons, but he's a very strategic mind. And to me, that's almost scarier because if you're fighting someone who is considerably more tactical and considerably more well-equipped than you, and this is against this version of John McClane, like live free or diehard McClane would have just bounced the bullets off of his head. And then like <laughs> super Saiyan chucked him off the building and yep. which would be entertaining. Let's not lie. <laughs> it's just a very different approach. And that for me was like the moment where I was like, Oh, this is serious business. And I love that part of it. It's, it's pretty scary, but this is right around the same time that we meet the LAPD officer, uh, Al, yes. Al Powell, say that five times fast. Al right. Powell, Al Powell, Al Powell, <laughs> and <laughs> who he has that little, uh, that little banter with the gas station guy where he's like, Oh, it's for my Which wife. And he's like, is it, <laughs> is, is it, it really? <laughs> oh, and he shows up and I, I'm so glad he didn't die because yeah well go ahead and spoil that he doesn't yeah he doesn't die and but i'm just talking about the initial like when he showed up i'm like oh this is gonna be like the stereotypical the cop gets murdered scene and right he got away because he backed up and drove over but this was after that guy fell onto his hood and i was like oh, oh yeah <laughs> like, oh okay. geez so like i said in case you haven't seen this or it's been a while and we you're kind of maybe like foggy on the events so mclean tries like he pulls a fire alarm because he's trying to get the cops to show up so he can help put pressure on these terrorists on Hans and his group and he's failing and when he gets a hold of walkie talking when he kills the first guy that whole scene where he's trying to talk to the dispatch he's like he goes you think I'm just trying to order a pizza I need you to get down here it's like <laughs> sir using the 911 to make a fake call is a crime Okay, cool. Come arrest me. <laughs> okay, send some officers. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I, I need to go to jail. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. And, oh, and he so, just like, tossed so how, that dude's body on there. Oh, yeah. Because what happened was they send Al to kind of goes because they think it's a prank call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes to see. And so McLean was just like, okay, I got to get this guy's attention. How How's it going to make this obvious? like there's something going on here 
He chucks a dead body through the window and it lands on the guy's car. Which, excellent aim, number one. I am so impressed that he made that. I, right? I went, there's no way, but I'll take it. And <laughs> the, he kind of saved him because those dudes were going to basically like, because he went into the building and he's like, how's everything going? And we see the guy waiting behind the wall. And he's oh, like, yeah. nah, this isn't worth my time. And I was like, oh, thank God. Right. <sighs> Like, I'm so oh, glad he's not dead. Yeah, it shows you how much on lockdown they have this building. Yeah, it's crazy how efficient it is. And I can believe it now because the 80s were still developing in terms of, like, the technology that they had at the time. Oh, and yeah. And I, I can buy it. And watching him back up and, like, escape and, like, fall over the back ledge and then not die, I was like, dude, I'm so happy. Like, <laughs> I'm so, woo. But. Oh, yeah. And. I, I like the uh, not to skip too far for there's some other stuff that happens, but um, there's some major stuff that happens, Caleb. <laughs> I know, but I, I just want we can talk about it. We'll talk. We'll definitely cover that. But just one of the things I like is that uh, with the walkie, McLean manages to have a really in depth like relationship established between him and Hans and him and Al, even though they don't see each other. Yeah. And I just like, it's really impressive how they pull that off. Yeah. And that that's good dialogue. And like, the thing is, is like, that's usually a big no, no. Like when you're writing a screenplay is like having two people talking, especially in an action movie in particular, like granted, like theater can get away with like a more theater style production can get away with more dialogue because that's what theater revolves around. But having them talk over the phone and like kind of get to understand each other while they're taking like these strategic actions is actually really interesting. And like you said, it, it's really engaging. Like I invest in both of their like their friendship and their working partnership just over the phone alone. Yeah. And that's all they had. I mean, Al doesn't see McLean until the end of the movie. That's they're the first so time he sees they're their face. They're so hyped. They're like, oh, it's you. And they hug each other. I was like, that's wholesome. Like, yeah, I mean, McLean just killed a lot of people, but that's wholesome. And <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't want to. I know. I know. But <laughs> it's just funny. They of course. bring in. Oh, my gosh. The the hothead commissioner or like the hothead, like chief of police that shows up and just ruins everything. Oh, yeah. I wanted to scream because <laughs> I knew it's exactly why that man was there. <laughs> He's there to make you mad. He's the heel. And, and he made me mad. He made me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the face, dude. I was like, oh, I, my God, I hate you. I know. But the thing is, there was an air of like, um, I'm trying to think under like I under like as much as I did hate him, because obviously we know all the facts because, you know, we've seen McLean, we've seen Hans. Mm-hmm. But from his perspective, I can see where he's like. So you're just believing some person you've never met is telling you the truth, which is a is a fair question. And <laughs> he was like, he didn't tell him his name was John McClane. He's like, I'm Roy. Yeah. Which I mean, he's like, oh, and he gave you an alias. Mm-hmm. How do you know he's not one of the terrorists? Yeah, I the whole time I was like, that makes complete sense. But it was also because he was in communication with Gruber, too, because he killed. Uh, what's yes. his name? He killed Marco and Heinrich. Yes, <laughs> which well, that was the scene where he shot him uh, through the table, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that he was had a good awesome. <laughs> that was. The, I was like, oh my gosh! He's like, oh, don't. I can't. Remember, what was the? What did the guy say before McLean lit him up? He said something to him. He's like, you've run out of table or something like that. 
and it's like oh good advice you know and like, then just like sh- started shooting right because he was like dude i'm so screwed and then the guy basically was just like ha, i tricked you with ease and then he gets shot and i was like yes oh this is hype and oh yeah oh that that's when because he gets the c4 from them that's when you get oh, yes oh we'll get to the c4 and he, and he gets the de- <laughs> and he gets the detonator which is what immediately gets hans to go this guy's a problem yeah and, and that's when he drops uh because marco's body is the one that gets tossed onto the car that that i'm remembering that now and the whole lapd shows up and hmm, this is interesting well. it didn't know because these are like just send him in and mclean's like no and because yeah, i mean he was right them, yeah <laughs> he, he's trying to tell them obviously because he knows he knows hans is listening so which is once again really good du- dude kudos because that's some difficult like dialogue writing of like how do you get a character who he's trying to talk to his allies while the main villain is listening in yeah and uh i had to remind myself uh, of that because i was like why doesn't he oh <laughs> yeah, Hans is hearing every word and he's just trying to warn them because you don't know like these guys these are not just random thugs holding someone up in an alleyway these guys are professional they're efficient and yeah. I remember like how do you know I was like I saw their fake IDs you have to spend a lot of money to get them to look that fake and, and he that was, good <laughs> that line where he was like for all we know he could be a bartender I was like that's funny <laughs> that's true because he's like that's <laughs> That's true. A bartender would be able to. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've I've been there. I, <laughs> I've like I've had I've spotted a couple, and I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have at least been thorough, but yeah. <laughs> oh, because they, they lead the siege and they try to break in. It it was interesting because we had because Gruber was like, just wound him, don't kill him, and they're all stoked they're like we get to shoot the police and yeah. <laughs> they uh because they wound him first and they're like oh no this isn't going well send in the armored tank and i was like dude you guys are so dumb like there's no way and you know they got bazooka to uh, twice i think actually yeah well because they brought the big armored car which i love you want to talk about an 80s moment the way he's like <laughs> bring in the big truck and just like the <sighs> Like it got a pro wrestler entrance. I was yeah. expecting music to kick in. I was really confused when music didn't kick in. I <laughs> I was laughing so hard, but I just because th- that's so eighties of them. Like I, you're gonna hear that several times of just like they're like, okay, we tried one option. Let's just go to Plan Z. <laughs> bringing the armored car to burst through and yeah. the only the funny thing that I kind of appreciated is like normally when they have villains doing this stuff like they make the villains like laughing and cackling and evil like we just killed some police but in this one like I mean granted the guy is kind of making a joke but that fits his character whereas like everyone else is stressing like they're yeah they're running for their life trying to stop the police <laughs> like, yeah because they're like oh Okay, we went from police to now SWAT. If this keeps escalating, we're not gonna be in good shape. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's intense, man. And like where they blew up the the build ah, the armored car, I was like, wow, well that went absolutely horribly. Yeah, and then we get one of the <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, I I had to rewind this scene <laughs> because I went why and I. Like I looked at it and I was like, this is not strategic. 
This is not. There's so many variables that could go wrong in this situation, but it's like the only option that he kind of saw. And it's a very John McClane thing to do, because at this point he's he's getting lucky. He's a good shot who's getting really lucky with his situations and he takes advantage of his environment. He takes the C4 and Caleb. What does he do with that C4? Shut up and makes it go boom. Basically, he just puts it in a backpack and just yeets it down the elevator shaft and it 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 explodes. And well, because he got the axe and then he opened up the elevator shaft and then he just chucked it down and then looked to make sure it explodes. And I was like, what are you doing? Get away. <laughs> like, get, get away just, from that. <laughs> look, I, I will let that slide because it's one of those things of like there's baggage that comes with certain genres. Mm-hmm. And Having that like big like oh as you jump away from the fiery explosion is baggage of the action genre, so right? And it, it wasn't happen. painful to look at. It was just funny because I was like, "Baby, what is you doing?" And because he, he throws it and it explodes, which was the plan. <laughs> well, it's supposed to end the assault because he's like, because McLean understood. He's like, "Look, we gotta stop before." They yeah. try something so dumb as to like bring the entire building down. Yeah, and he was just killing those dudes who were shooting at the cops, which, I mean, he didn't really have many other choices, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's why I like, like, they don't put, it's not like McLean's just like, I'm going to kill you. You have like five other options to like click. It's like, no, he has no, this is all he's got. I this know. Isn't a, uh, I was just mad because I was like, what if it bounces against the wall and explodes early? Like, that's, well, I mean, that's where movies what if it doesn't explode and then you don't have any C4 <laughs> like, I know but that's where movie magic comes in of it's I know. always going to conveniently I'm, I have to nitpick this hard because this movie's so good and, oh yeah you know he it but, explodes and just destroys everything and all the cops are like wow and even even Hans Gruber was like oh yeah uh, oh <laughs> like, like, I wasn't realize, expecting that yeah at this point this is when they've had the the iconic well, yeah, pretty iconic moment where McLean's talking on the uh, walkie with oh, that's Hans. A great and we scene. mentioned earlier when great he gives dialogue. like you know his 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 alias of he just called him Roy Rogers. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he calls himself you know just call me Roy, and he's like, oh, you just think you're some kind, you're just another American, watched too many action movies, thinks you're going to be another John Wayne or Rambo, and McLean's like. I was always partial to Roy Rogers myself, but you got a point. <laughs> yeah, it's valid actually. <laughs> That's a great like little exchange too. Cause it's like a little power struggle that they're having just through their own words. And it's, you know, there's not a whole lot of subtext. There's not anything no, super it's very, insightful like, or deep, but it's just solid character banter. Yeah. And I like, love Hans that. is Hans is acting like the cold calculating, uh, strategist that he is McLean's being the I'm just flying by the seat of my pants but it's somehow working guy <laughs> and that's where we get the iconic uh line that we started this podcast off with with the yippee ki yeah. and oh yeah like, the elevator wrong. scene I, I keep forgetting yeah. about that how he because those guys chased him originally because he was in the elevator shaft and the dudes were looking for him because these villains are smart these aren't just henchmen that you shoot and yes, yes. Cause he was like, oh, head up to the roof. I have a few laughs. And he clicks his lighter 
And the guy hears that, and that leads to the chase up there. I keep forgetting about that. That's so like, oh yeah. And that's the scene that everyone quotes the most. It's like, oh, I know how I now know what a TV dinner feels like. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, in that moment, okay, because first he shoots, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, I don't know if I hit him. So the guy does something that it just he it blows my mind. Well, he waits, and the other thing that blows my mind is I don't see movies that do this. This movie was made in 88. You would think every action movie from here on would take cues from this, but they don't because he starts poking with his gun, poking at the uh, elevator shaft because if it's hollow, it'll just bend. If he pokes where McLean is, then he'll know, then he'll just open fire. Yeah. And it's that stressful moment because he gets closer and closer. <sighs> Stress me. <out. laughs> that stressed me out hard. I remember that. I was like, oh, <laughs> but <laughs> I've seen the really- movie. Exactly, but it was brilliant because instead of him just wasting all of his bullets, he's like, wait, there's a smarter way to do this. Yeah, and I I love that they make villains smart because it invests me more in the story. I hate when villains are dumb. I hate when they're just evil and dumb. Like, you can be evil and smart, but don't be evil and dumb. And I don't know why that they don't take more visual because it's a great visual cue. It's such great visual storytelling that they're using. I love this movie, Caleb. I'm glad you do, and I'm glad you finally seen it all the way through. But oh, um, it's about time because I've seen all the iconic scenes, and then I was like watching it through, and just makes it so much better because I'm like, wow, when you watch now, the pieces go together. Exactly. Now we do need to have this well because to really show you, because in case maybe you thought maybe that Hans Gruber was the kind of villain that maybe he, you know, kind of like we've talked about Slade or others where they have an honor code. Mm-hmm. The scene where Harry Ellis tries to broker broker a deal, I, I agree. Ugh. But he, like, it really shows you that Hans has no honor code. The only code he has is get my money. He won't kill kids, and, though. I, I, I do want to point that out. He, he's not willing to kill children. That's and true. Because we discover that when, because she goes by Gennaro, which I mean, that was convenient in a good way that, that's oh, good yeah. convenience writing when she is Gennaro <laughs> and then you know she's like hey like one of the women's pregnant and she needs to like lay down on a couch like she needs to be comfortable and he's like yeah I can do that I was like wow that was surprisingly human surprisingly <laughs> exactly because he was, he was like well she needs a couch he goes I'll just have a couple of my men bring the couch to her and she's like that works yeah he's like I'm, <laughs> and, not, I'm um, not a complete monster <laughs> like i'm just like 90 percent monster yeah but, I, um, I believe in what i'm doing he thinks he's the hero of his own story which is why he's such villain. a great villain exactly but uh harry and all 80s like okay here's what harry reminds me of have you seen that future that episode of futurama where like they unfreeze the guy from the eighties. Yes. That befriends for <laughs> Yes. It's like, don't you ask me about blank. I'll tell you about blank. <laughs> that is literally who Harry is. Yeah. He's, he's just the perfect, like stereotypical, like he's like this weird tertiary antagonist where it's like, obviously he's not going to have like a huge sway on like the character's major arc, but he's there to push the story forward and just be, hateable and he gets yeah. murdered he, he oh, gets immediately hurt. yeah because mclean's like i'm not gonna surrender and then gruber's like well you've twisted my arm i'll just kill ellis which they and the best part is <laughs> and ellis keeps trying to be like hey man you've known me for years and mclean's like no tell them you don't know me yeah he's like don't be an idiot dude like i like play along you, with this you, 
Yeah, he's like, if you tell them that you have like this deep connection with me, they're gonna kill you. Yeah, they're gonna extort you and torture you. And ugh, it's just the whole time he's just so snobby about it. And I was like, you kind of deserve to die. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it was like I said, it, that's why I was like, it's a bigger moment of showing that Hans does murder. Like he does not have like like you said, probably the only closest thing he has to like an honor code is he's not gonna hurt children. Yeah, anything else is fair game. And that scene with Ellis showed that. Right. And the, the crazy thing else, he was just being annoying. Yeah. And McLean tried to help him. He's like, dude, like you need to listen to me. And Ellis just like, nah, man, I got this. <laughs> he, he decidedly like, did not got this. So, <laughs> Oh, he got that bullet. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he got a bullet in his brain, but. <laughs> oh, wow. But, that's uh, dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I do. Okay. I love this next scene that happens. Cause at first it weirded me out. Cause I was like, it felt like a uh, a jump, mm-hmm. but it, it made perfect sense because Gruber goes to check on the explosives because yeah. McLean, since he has the detonator, that's why Hans is like, give it back. Mm-hmm. I need that. So he goes to check the roof and he finds McLean. Now, it's brilliant because at first you're like, there's that part in your brain where you're like, oh, here comes the big fight between the two of them. They don't know what the other person looks like. Yeah, they're they're putting the pieces together but like it was interesting because he was like hey well first of all his american accent was actually not bad and i know right <laughs> he played along with that really well he had the gun taped over behind like the the uh-huh. machine thing and he was like hey come over here i need your help and mclean was like dude like i'm not a complete moron like, yeah, I was like come on. <laughs> i'm gonna follow you into the dark alley <laughs> yeah he's like i've been i've already killed like three guys like you really think i'm gonna make that yeah. dumb of a mistake i have no idea who you are and i didn't see you earlier so i'm immediately not trusting you yeah because and... i thought about that too because when mclean saw the guy earlier get killed by gruber he didn't see gruber's face yep because the angle he had he didn't see what gruber looked like yeah that was and, oof. <laughs> and yeah, so and the best part is since uh Gruber's of course he sees this big guy with a gun and he thinks this might be McLean. I mean it's a good guess. <laughs> it is like, like okay. Who else is but um he's the center, but that's why he portrays himself as a as a hostage. Yeah. And so and the moment he dude, the 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 shot on his face when he tells him, Hey, my name's John McLean, and you see Gruber's face just like twist. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's like the, he, oh. like you see the immediate anger of like you son of a <laughs> he's like I have you now in my clutches I have you in my clutches McLean <laughs> which <laughs> I I love uh oh oh yeah there's actually a scene um oh where he's, well he talks to Powell afterwards but yeah this is the part where he they're walking through and he's like, Hey, like I need a gun or something like that. Yeah. And well, no, my claim was like, Hey, do you want a gun to protect yourself? And he's like, uh, I guess I've never held one of these (laughs) moron. I know. Right. Immediately turns on him. And I was like, okay, McLean's not stupid. So like, cause at first I was like, Oh my God. I like rolled my eyes through my head so hard. They spun around like a spinning lottery ball. And then (laughs) I was like, wait, McLean's not dumb. And he turns on him. And then when he tries to pull the gun, it's empty. I was like, <laughs> yeah, McClane, and I love, McClane looks at him and goes, you really think I was dumb enough to give you a loaded gun? 
Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, kinda. <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, he had that, that's the looky out of his face, too. Yeah. And they, they his buddies show up and McLean immediately just destroys one of them. Like, <laughs> like not even close. And that's when they start shooting the glass. And Gruber's like, hey, shoot the glass, shoot the glass, which yeah. is and the smart. other guy was confused. Yeah. He's like, wait, why? He goes, he has no shoes on. Shoot the glass. Yeah, I was like, this is so smart. This movie's so good. <laughs> like, I know. Small attention just, to detail like that. And, and yeah, and to your point, like, because since they didn't have a gigantic Avengers level budget, or I guess the thing to compare it to back then would be uh, like a Back to the Future budget or something. It's like they had to go smart. Because since McLean, because the thing is, when everything started first going down, mm-hmm. McLean didn't have time to like get suited up. He was like in his, you he know, lost white so shirt. many clothes over the whole process of this movie. Well, that's the thing I like is he starts off with a pure white shirt and pants, no shoes on. By this point, his shirt is ripped up and just brown and red. Right. His pants are getting <laughs> wrecked. His feet are like black just from having to walk over everything. And uh, then they shoot out the glass because Hans is like, there's no way he's going to walk across all that glass when he has no shoes on. Yeah. And he did. But he left the Oof. bag because he knew he couldn't do both. It was horrible, dude. Ugh. I oh, dude, Ugh. his feet. It's the most <sighs> iconic. Like, like, I have a poster of like, you know, 100 movies they kind of like, need mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. And one of them is Die Hard. And when I scratched it off because I've seen it, the picture they used was two bloody feet. Yeah, it's it makes sense because that is the scene that a lot of people look to is like the oh, like it's almost borderline horror movie esque in its intensity and brutality. And I was just like, oh, make it stop. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's I mean, also brilliant. Well, once again, it shows how human he is. Yeah, because it's like he got his feet are like just wrecked. Yeah, and he's super vulnerable. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And one, like we said, his clothes are getting destroyed and ripped up. His feet are now basically worthless. Yeah. And he's all this, and he's obviously like just exhausted because between adrenaline pumping and fighting for your life, you're just going to be exhausted naturally from that. Right. And I will say with this, it introduced, okay, there's already another storyline kind of going on with the reporters which was hilarious. I loved how they made fun of the news reporters <laughs> because it was little things like that that helped give like between like Ellis and the reporters, it helped give some uh, lighthearted moments to break up the tension of what was happening. Yeah. And, and Al was pretty funny too. Al had a good sense of humor about him. It's like small things like that. Like you're saying. Yeah. And so I just bring that up because at the, the reporters are trying to get like, as any reporter, what they're trying to get the big scoop. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out like who is this crazy guy that's fighting terror? Like who is basically like who's going all first blood on these guys? <laughs> and uh, and they find out who they find his name, and they start researching, and that comes up later. I just want to say like because that's where it is at this point in the movie. They also introduce the FBI agents, which Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson, no relation. Uh, th- that is a good line. I like that introduction. Here's the thing about this movie that I'm slowly realizing. I don't think this movie actually likes law enforcement. 
because <laughs> it makes every <laughs> single person except for like Alan John super stupid. <laughs> like, I was or like, case- this, this guy does not like cops or or the FBI because the FBI shows up. And as they always do, they remedy the situation by immediately making it worse. So- yeah. Well the, well, the big thing, too, and I love that they because they were uh, at the news. They brought on this guy who's an expert on like hostage situations and he because, you know, he had written a book mm-hmm. and he was talking about like how hostages act, how, you know, a lot of times how these captors will pr- behave themselves. And Hans knows all this. Apparently, it's like I, don't, I think he read that book. He's read all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And he's you find out he's planned all of this. He wanted the FBI to get involved, which because he knows <laughs> what they'll do. Bold. <laughs> Yeah, right. What a bold man to get big brother. I don't involved. know of many times where people are like, I want the FBI here. I was like, <laughs> you, you want big brother involved? Sounds they about tend- white. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, dude, <laughs> like, are the you FBI sure you tends to take, <laughs> yeah, the John Cena, are you sure about that? <laughs> are you sure about that? But it's literally like, ugh. it's like chess. He knows exactly what they're going to do because they're like, shut the power off. And it unlocks it unlocks the vault, and Gruber's just like, "All right, you morons!" I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude!" Like, I know they're just getting McLean schooled. Sees, <laughs> yeah, because McLean sees it. He's like, "Guys, he knows y'all's playbook. Change it up." And they're like, and, "No, we gotta follow it by the rules." Yeah, and uh, yeah, and there is a nice moment where McLean is uh, talking to Pal- to Al while he's getting the glass taken out. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh, I know. Well, one, it's. It, it's a roller coaster because one, you're like you're you're flinching and cringing at McLean getting the glass, which you found out pretty big shards are now in his mm-hmm. feet. Yeah, and uh, Al opens up about himself, and they really have a connection where this is where this is where they go from just being like Al was like an accomplice of McLean to where they become friends. Yeah, Be- well, because he tells him that he doesn't carry a gun anymore because he accidentally shot a kid. Yeah, well, and he's like, it was an, and he was just like, it was, he made it, he screwed up, but he's like, but nothing makes what he did go away. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't trust himself. And uh, that's deep. That's sad. <laughs> it's really like, exactly. Oh. Like, it's, it reminds me of the very first Rambo where you're just like, I forgot this movie touches on some deep stuff. Yeah, no, First Blood is, we're going to have to do a, an episode on, on first blood at some point. Cause that's, that's actually a really, really good underrated like movie in terms of just, I mean, obviously well, it's, remember- it's not underrated, but in terms of its character depth, I think that there's a lot there it, that people overlook. It's underrated on like what it talks about. Same with like diehard of some of the things they touch on of like, they just remember for explosions and gunplay. It's like, yeah. yes, that's there, but there's so much more. There, and, there is so much more. You're right. And, uh, <laughs> after they have this moment and John, is limping because obviously his feet, you know, gosh, I can't imagine how much pain it must be every time he puts any weight on his feet. And there's probably just little because the thing with glass is that like it's not just big chunks. It's also like small, really small, like shards and little pieces that get wedged in that you can't get out. So it's like, yeah, like he literally he couldn't get it all out. He had to go good enough. I have to keep going. Yeah, he's like, I got the big the worst offenders out. And yeah. this is when, uh, oh, this is Carl. <laughs> Carl. Carl, because he hangs Carl. Yes. Yeah, th- this is probably my favorite 
well, I, I would say it's my favorite kill, but mm, spoiler, he, yep. <laughs> he, they're fighting and he is losing this fight because number one, he's weak and Carl's relatively fresh. Like, well, compared to McClane, yeah. he's a, he's a flower. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, okay. And McLean basically catches him as they're like fighting down like these stairs or like this, this ramp. And he ties him to this, like, God, it reminds me of like a meat thing, like where they store like, you know, meat carcasses. Like, hmm. I can't remember, but it's it basically he attaches him to that and then just slides him across it and hangs him, which yep. disturbing, but also yeah. effective. If you really want to defeat these guys, <laughs> these guys are gnarly. Yeah. Um, but like, you could tell play. that he wasn't fully dead. He just, I was like, nah, there's no way. And yeah, this is, oh yeah. But right before this is when, uh, Gruber finds out, well, number one, like McLean discovers that Gruber's going to blow up the building and try to fake all their deaths and all that. So he's number one, making very quick pace up to there. Cause he's like, Oh, we got to move, but yeah. they're watching the news this whole time. And oh my gosh, that's movie. when they find out that McLean, like they, they see McLean's children and he's like, wait a minute. And he lifts up that photo that McLean had turned down earlier. And that's how he finds out that Holly was his wife. And I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> yep. and the moment he goes, bring her to me. And I went, Oh no, I, I got scared. I was like, Oh God, I've like, I know that this is going to be undefined, but like this movie's so good. They, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so crazy. And Oh, that was when I was like, oh, this is about to get real, real, real. Like, it's it's already real, real. It's about to get real, real, real. <laughs> they <laughs> take all the hostages up to the roof, and the FBI helicopters are showing up. And the FBI decides to take the scorched earth mentality of kill the terrorists. What about the hostages? Eh, we can pretend. Yeah, the, it's the FBI. I, <laughs> I know. Exactly. Right. There's the government I know. There's the FBI that I that I know <laughs> exactly. I'm leaving it there. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're probably listening to this and they're like that son of a, like <laughs> I said, oh, there's a statement. You can't hurt me. I, know. I was like, it's just an opinion. <laughs> like, like that stopped them before, but <laughs> okay. Enough. <laughs> when we get to, he saves the hostages, he gets them out of the way and Gruber blows up the building. So the helicopters are capiche like that. That That's yeah. it. But he manages to stop Uli. I, th- I think that's his name. Uli. <laughs> he kills Uli. And with a struggle, like he's been chased mm-hmm. over the rooftops. He's been shot at and he's gotten so lucky. But oh, God, yeah. They oh. blow up the rooftop. This leads to one of my favorites. Yes. <laughs> like, <sighs> go ahead. Like, like you describe because I mean, especially since it's the first time you watched it through. Mm-hmm. I just want to listen to like how you reacted to this at first i almost watching again i was almost like using what you've talked about before of like this is your one fast and furious moment but it's not even that because it made sense but it, I want you it, to it is possible it. too i believe i actually believe that it is possible well number one that explosion was insane the way that they framed that explosion yep. blew my mind because it it was earth shattering. And like, even when they zoomed out to show how massive the explosion was, I was like, Whoa, like, whoa, <laughs> that's wild. So like the hostages are safe, but <laughs> McLean in all of his creativeness, which, and that's a compliment. I mean that he 
gets a fire hose and wraps it around himself and then goes and he prays and he's like, please don't let me die. <laughs> like, <laughs> please don't let this be how I die. And he jumps off the roof attached only to the fire hose and just plummets attached to this as the building's like exploding and it catches and rips out like it yes. rips out and you're like, uh oh, and then it catches on the side of the building. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I sat up during this whole scene cause I was watching intently and there were times where I was like, wow, that was anxiety inducing. But this scene in particular, I was like, oh my gosh, I did like the Leo DiCaprio where you sit up and point at the screen. And right. <laughs> that, that was exactly what I did. And he, he catches on and it gives him a chance and he's like, okay, well I can't just hang here. So he gives himself some momentum and shoots the window and kicks through right as the, the fire hose wheel flies over the edge and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) like, he lands in like he's, you think he's safe. You're like, Oh my gosh. And then you're like, wait, the fire hose wheel. Cause if anyone knows anything about those fire hose wheels, they're heavy and they're big and you see it plummet by and you're like, Oh my gosh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're like, oh. <laughs> like, I was so nervous. I was generally like shaking a little bit and it flies down and it starts pulling him down slowly. And you're like, Oh, how's he going to get out of this? <laughs> and he manages to save himself. Like he manages to like wedge it and then like unhook himself. And I'm like, Oh, please don't do that to me again. Movie. <laughs> please don't do that to me again. It does. Well, but <laughs> I was like, your jokes on you kiddo <laughs> they're gonna do it again and <laughs> i it seems insane but it works so perfectly to the point where you're like i can see this happening with luck this is like because yes. fast and furious you're like number one i love the fifth movie but i know that they can't drag a safe like that and then have it tumbling around like just married cans through the city of brazil doesn't mean i yes. don't love it <laughs> it's just a different circumstance. And in this movie, it's just simple household things and simple creativity that he use utilized to save himself. Oh, it's so nerve wracking. And then right after yeah. that, we, cause we've seen Argyle. So Argyle has been through this movie. He is unaware for a good chunk of this movie about what's going on. And yeah. he's just having a good time because Argyle is the best. And yes. <laughs> he, yes, you know, he he's is. definitely comic relief through this movie who kind of brought me down. Like, you know, Al has some moments that made me chuckle, but Argyle is very much like a fun character to watch who you're like, oh, he's he's still human. Like, it's not like he's just like a caricature and he has fun. He he gets his moment where he, he gets to neutralize Theo. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Theo is uh, trying to um, the brains. Yeah. Yeah. Because Theo was just, the he was the black he was the one that said uh, that quarter the quarterback is toast right he's like quarterback is yeah, toast. toast which another yep. iconic line I forget about is from this movie. <laughs> yep, and uh, yeah, because like Argyle for those because you know we mentioned him at the beginning, so it's like where has he been this whole time? Basically, Argyle when he brilliant for limo driver, he knows how to read people really well because he brilliant he immediately breaks down. McLean's marriage between him and Holly. Oh my gosh. And he literally went right for his jugular. Dude. <laughs> and McLean was like, like, I'm not even mad. <laughs> like, I'm just, I know. He was like, you're very perspective. You're very uh, perspective, uh, perceptive. And uh, so basically Argyle goes, okay, here's my card. Uh, if you strike out, 
whether you strike out or you, you know, you're able to fix things between you and the, and the wife, call me. And he literally is hanging out in the parking garage waiting with the teddy bear. He's just vibing with this giant teddy bear. <laughs> I <laughs> cherish so those scenes throughout this whole movie because McLean tries to get a hold of him and he's like, what? Like, <laughs> like he finally understands what's going on, but he's trapped there because all the exits are sealed. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he gets his moment where he gets to stop Theo because he started mm-hmm. listening to the radio and basically saves the day like he he does more than his part for a guy who just was you know offering relationship advice and being just a great limo driver i love our guy (laughs) (laughs) i just love that part of it he he gets his moment and oh yeah by the way it's not over yet (laughs) no this movie we're we saved the this movie save the best for last and before we get to that scene i want to uh, point this out. We've been saying like, you know, people call this a Christmas movie. The reason why I say it's even more of a Christmas movie now, because I actually forgot about this little moment. Because after McLean avoids dying from the fire hose wheel, mm-hmm. um, he basically knows he need, he is going to find Holly, and he sees a bunch of Christmas decorations, yeah. and it gives him an idea because he realizes. He only has about three bullets left. Oof. And he realizes he has to get creative. And well, boy, does he. He has two bullets. Or two. That's right. I thought it was three. Yeah, two. which that's that's not enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so he, that's why I want to point out, like, this is a Christmas movie because Christmas literally saves John McClane's life. Christmas decorations defeat Hans Gruber. and we've also had some Christmas songs like spread throughout, but like the main thing about this movie being a Christmas movie, like obviously it's not like Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, you knobs. I know that, (laughs) but (laughs) it's got the theme of Christmas and family, like because family is the most important thing about Christmas and spending this holiday with your loved ones and celebrating this time of year with giving yourself to each other. And John McClane gives himself to his family and to everyone else by sacrificing basically his body to save the day and reunite with his family. So maybe it's a little unconventional, but it's still a Christmas movie. And I'm not going to back down from that. (laughs) I am not either. I will tell you why you're wrong. I just wanted to get that out because that moment when I, cause I forgot about that little moment. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this just confirms it. Like I was already at hundred percent and I'm at like 150%. But when he gets to the top, cause he finds out where Hans is. Mm-hmm. And when he, it shows how bad a shape he's in. He is limping and his shirt is now just gone. Yeah. His pants are bare, like, lo- they look like what banner looks like when he, <laughs> when he he's no longer out. the Hulk. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, and he still managed to knock out Kristoff. Like yes. <laughs> he still managed to do that. And he is limping. He's covered in blood and sweat. And he's just, even Holly, when she sees him, she goes, oh my God. <laughs> She's like, ooh, <laughs> like, what have you been through? <laughs> he just has this look on his face like, it's been a long night. Gosh, dude, it's the dialogue there. I love this scene where they, where he confronts Gruber. Cause Gruber's, he's like, dude, I have your wife. Like yeah. my guy. And he has a henchman <laughs> right there too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's got Eddie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And 
and he has a gun on his wife. And of course, Eddie has a gun. He's like, what are you honestly going to do? And he goes, put down the, cause he had the little like a uh, machine gun. And so McLean puts it down. Cause you know, Gruber's like, do this and I'll spare Holly. Cause Hans is like, dude, you're from New York. You're in LA. Why are you fighting so hard for this company? And McLean's like, I just want my wife. Yeah. I'm here I don't to care save about people. Any other... yeah. yeah. I don't care about you trying to get money. I just care about the fact you're killing people. And, um, it's a great moment because McLean just starts laughing. <laughs> That's the, that was the part that, because they all start laughing. It's like that scene in evil dead Two where the, everyone just starts <laughs> laughing hysterically. It's, <laughs> Oh, it's my favorite I, part. Also just a quick note. Like when we go into this, he basically unconsciously did to Gruber, what Gruber failed to do to him earlier in the movie. That's a, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, because well, because he had that taped gun behind the thing, and then as they're laughing, and Gruber's just like, ha 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 ha, <laughs> like they're all just like, even Eddie's like, okay, I'll laugh. <laughs> he, like, it's so funny, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> he has the he gun just... taped to his back. Oh yeah, and immediately, like as he's laughing, you just kind of see his hands slowly moving, <laughs> and oh. uh, and of course with his hands up, and gosh, as beaten up as he is, that's where like. If he was being the invincible action hero, there's no like Hans would have to be an idiot to fall for this. But because McLean is holding on by just hopes and dreams at this point, um, and duct like, tape and some C4. yeah duct tape hope yeah exactly the hopes dreams and duct tape. It's believable <laughs> that it's just like oh his arms are going back, but that doesn't mean anything. Look how beaten up he is. Yeah. And um, he grabs like you said he thanks to the Christmas decorations is able to like, tape some stuff. Tape the pistol to his back that had the two shots left. Shoots Eddie in the dome and then shoots Gruber, who falls backwards. Which, by the way, his headshot to eight to Eddie, I jumped up. I literally stood up because it was perfect. It was the, it was the single most perfect headshot he could have landed. And because the Eddie didn't even see it coming, he was just like, Ugh! Like, <laughs> like there was nothing he could have done. He was still mid-laugh. And I was like, wow. And this last little fight like oh Oh, yeah it gave me so much anxiety because you know gruber's not the biggest physical threat it's not like he he's like this big cgi monstrosity that you have to like shoot really hard he he catches himself and when he's getting knocked through the window he catches holly and tries to drag her down yeah and mclean's trying to grab her and pull her up and the slow motion shot of him lowering his gun to try and shoot McLean shredded oh, my yeah. nerves. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it's just slow. And you're just like, McLean is distracted cause he's having to focus on his wife, not dying. But in a reality, but, he was really, he knew what he was doing. Cause he was just all get her wristwatch off. You know, he wasn't just like, mm-hmm. I'm going to punch this guy or like, I'm just going to shoot him real hard. He takes her wristwatch off and, and the way that his face immediately just goes uh, <laughs> iconic. Oh, fun, oh, fun fact, maybe you've heard this because it is a story that's passed around, but I would be remiss to not mention this in a diehard episode. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Go okay, ahead. Okay, cool. So, but Alan Rickman, of course, he knew that this thing was going to happen. And the director's like, okay, so you're going to fall. We need a big, shocked face. Because obviously, he didn't fall, you know, 
super far, but mm-hmm. a little bit to her. So that way uh, they could get the look on his face. And he goes, okay, we're going to count to three. And he goes, okay. What? And just dropped him. <laughs> I would have punched him so, right in the face, dude. Well, so that face you see on his so the face that Alan Rickman makes as he's falling is genuine. Right. <laughs> because he's like, you you punk. Like <laughs> yeah, he's probably yelling every four-letter word in his head. <laughs> oh, he he does look mortified, which I mean it's Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman's amazing. But of course, and but you oh. are also being dropped from a very tall building. Yeah, he's you know, granted, he's safe, but like when you're not, it's like when you get a shot, it's kind of like that scene from Elf where they prick his finger and he's not expecting <laughs> it. And then he just screams like, I, th- yeah. <laughs> I would love if they actually did that without telling, <laughs> like, without telling that Will Ferrell. A- oh. oh, by the way, we're about to do this. Do yeah. what? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I love snow cones or something like that. Ah! <laughs> like, kind of like that. Like, oh, that's that's a very Kubrick thing to do, but without the malice. It's like we'll we'll do an episode on Kubrick because I have opinions about Kubrick. Yeah, exactly. Because Kubrick's probably the best director in history. I'm just going to say that. Of course, but there's good and bad with that. Yeah, and there's interesting thing because like with this, it's obviously just like, hey, like he just let him go a little early. It's not like he was in danger. And some people like to talk about like you know, like directors putting their filmmakers in danger. And that's a whole topic. But like, you know, we'll talk about like The Shining and like, Stanley Kubrick had a very interesting approach to directing people that I think a lot of people find controversial and we'll talk about that eventually. But like, it kind of reminded me of that for a brief second. Cause he like dropped him and he's just like, you mother, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Oh yeah. But it just, but at the same time, cause I, I guarantee he wasn't, they had the ball pad or whatever he was going to land on. Yeah. He was fine. Right. He was completely yeah. safe. He was just like, Oh, <laughs> but it's just, but you don't get such a good shot otherwise. Because even if you are, look, as phenomenal as an actor as Alan Rickman was, mm-hmm. like, there's, you can't top genuine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, Hans falls to his death. And I think it's just funny, they actually follow it all the way down. You even hear the thump. I'm like, did we, re- he's dead. Like, this isn't a superhero movie where he's going to come back. But okay, but um, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, McLean, who is now the world's most tired, bloody man, <laughs> and, uh, he gets to the bottom because everything's good now, and he finally gets to meet Alan. Like we alluded to earlier, they have this big hug, mm-hmm. and they're just so happy. That bro moment, the bromant. Yeah, no, it really was. It was a bromant. It was absolutely and. Well, because look, it's one of those things of traumatic events do bring people together. Mm -hmm. And this was definitely a dramatic or a traumatic, like adrenaline pumping. I mean, I don't even know how, like what this movie probably takes place over the course of what? Five, six hours. Yeah. It's all one night. It, it, I wouldn't even say it reaches past like (laughs) 2am. Yeah. So like it that's a lot when something that intense for that long yeah that's a you're you'll make fast friends and yeah and it, it's a, just a bonding experience yeah and it's just cathartic because they're just like because al the whole time because mclean was talking when he was on the walkie with him he's like you know hey if i don't make this you tell my wife you know i love her and all and i was like 
tell her yourself when you get down here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and uh, just the fact that how Al was pulling for him, and Al put his job on the line because mm-hmm. the the police chief was yeah. not having it, and he was an idiot. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he was. So I mean, it's just yeah, just a good moment. Uh, once again, like it's just so crazy when you realize like such a. Uh, critical relationship that it's not until like the final couple of minutes of the movie they actually see each other face to face i know i was like wow i feel it's like they knew each other for so long before that it's just it's a great believable character moment and i i appreciate the the amount of detail that was put into their partnership that's a great part of it also just real quick like you know his him reuniting with holly is really sweet when they kissed after they killed gruber I was like, oh my gosh, all that blood and dirt and sweat. I know. I was like, <laughs> I know. It's like, there should have been, like, it would have killed the moment if they made that comedic where she, like, go to kiss. And she's like, uh, no. That would have killed the moment, unfortunately. I was laughing so hard. And I think it might just be because I'm, like, way more, like, attuned now to, like, all those things, like, thinking about, like, just basic, like, hygiene. And like stuff like that because of the the climate of the world right now. And I think I just pay more attention to it. I'm just like, like, yeah, ugh, wear a mask. And I, and then I'm like, wait, this was 32 years ago. Right. Wow. But just uh, 32 years like, ago. It was just funny because it's just to your point of like it's. He should have wiped off his mouth or something. It's just like, dude, yeah, you're covered in blood and. I don't know how much of it is yours versus other people's. No, it's it's just oh, I was like, yeah, it's passionate. They're just so happy to be alive. I'll let it slide. It was just funny because in my head I was like, ew. Yeah, there <laughs> is that adrenaline rush moment where you just don't care. Yeah, and I to me it almost made it more realistic because they were just so like happy to see each other and so in love that I was just like, yes. And near death will do that. Speaking of near death, Carl, <laughs> Carl makes his bold return. <laughs> Carl being the true like MVP trying his best to yeah. get that kill. He really went yeah. in on it. Th- this man went 110% and paid for it because he did not last very long. Cause Powell was just like, Nope. <laughs> just yep. immediately takes out Carl. Like, I don't know what Carl's plan was. I think he was just blinded by rage. Cause he shows up in front of all these like armed LAPD officers and it's just like, ah, <laughs> I I, th- I think it was that yeah like you said blind by rage and at this point he knows the gig is up so yeah it's, he, it's just like the down, final he killer kill Ma- <laughs> like, yeah he wasn't you know I'm gonna take McLean with me yeah I, I it makes sense like I believe it but it's almost funny because it's like a horror movie cliche almost where the it killer really comes was. back for one last scare and I was just like I'll let it slide <laughs> yeah especially because it actually gives a good moment for Al as well mm-hmm. because he pulls a gun. To save a life. Yeah. Instead of hurting someone, he saved someone. Well, I mean, he, he, he hurt Carl well, obviously, by killing but, uh, him, but, <laughs> but yeah, but now it was, he, he saved someone's life and proved. And even McLean, that's why I love when McLean looked and goes, nice shot. <laughs> and, uh, <sighs> it was a weird thing. I was like, huh? I didn't think Al was going to get like a payoff for that. Cool. And, he and, did. Um, and it is it is just so nice. We we do get a lot of payoff in the scene because that's because Holly dude, punches that news reporter oh, too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, oh. And they loved his reaction 
after she punches him, he just goes, did y'all get that? <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He knows his job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he played along with it. And then oh, my, Argyle oh, no. just crashes through the door and is like, need a ride? A part of me, honestly, I would have gotten up and I would have ran three miles in the dark. If he had pulled up and said, your Uber is here. I know it's impossible, but I would have screamed laughing <laughs> like just in an alternate universe. <laughs> if we'd gotten pulled, your Uber is here. <laughs> oh, my. If it was written nowadays. Yes. That you, how could you not make that line? It reminds me of like in dodgeball when Ben Stiller just snaps his fingers and Michelle just immediately shows up on the moped. <laughs> <laughs> he just rides right. <laughs> Oh, he's just, nobody he's makes just, me bleed my own blood. Nobody. Nobody. I just immediately summons him. And, um, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> it's $100,000. What this reminded me of. I'm sorry, back on topic. I just, now we're, no, we're going to quote Dodgeball all night. We're almost done. But, <laughs> but yeah, but we just. Argyle has his moment and just basically has the whole like your chariot awaits sort of thing. <laughs> McLean finally gets to just be with his wife. Man gets to relax. Gets to, finally, for the first time in geez, with the amount of adrenaline going through his body, what probably feels like years to him. I mean, let's be honest, he should probably get medical attention. Oh, so. absolutely. I hope like <laughs> they took I hope he told Argyle, take me to a hospital so they can look at my feet. So am I taking you home? Wrong with me. No, take me to the hospital. I'm bleeding out. Like <laughs> I don't have I still don't have shoes. <laughs> no. And the only reason I'm not bleeding all over your limo is because I'm wearing a fireman's jacket. Gosh, dude, that was ugh, what a great movie. I ugh. It's it's yeah. my favorite Christmas movie ever. I know some people will try to dispute that. Well, you're wrong, number one. But number two, <laughs> it does encapsulate a lot of the themes of what Christmas is about, you know, besides murder and untraceable, untraceable bearer bonds. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. One of the crazy things about this movie is that a lot of people might look at it and go, wow, that's kind of cliche. But here's the thing, sir. This movie, a lot like Halloween before it, set the blueprint for its genre. It, it was not the first action movie, but it really established what an amazing action movie can be and what a lot of people afterwards would try and replicate to varying degrees of success. And I admire that because like Halloween, it's straightforward. It doesn't require a whole lot of intense thought, but it's not stupid. It has great dialogue, great characters. It's got great action, which number one, that's the first thing you have to accomplish. And it really established Bruce Willis as a megastar. I mean, come on. Oh, like, <laughs> him and him and Alan Rickman. Yeah. When they came into this, they were both obscure. Yeah. And people thought that his lack of star appeal would hurt the movie because I didn't know this until I was reading the wiki page like Arnold and Sylvester Stallone turned this role down which that was a mistake you know who else turned this down it is a mistake but also the movie wouldn't have been the same it, it would have been very different and I think Robert Duvall was actually in talks to do this but Ooh, he would have been good yeah he, he would have been good but is, he wouldn't have been Bruce Willis 
Exactly. This is one of those like there are movies you can see where like you see an actor and you and and it's not an insult to them where you can be like, oh, I can definitely see other people playing as all uh in combat as uh do this role just like just as well as this person did. There is no one else except Bruce Willis that can play John McClane. Mm-hmm. If you if they ever ever try to reboot Die Hard and have a new actor playing John McClane, don't it will fail. Don't do it. It will. <laughs> and and just to your point of like what you're talking about with imitators of like how it laid the bl- the blueprint. I didn't realize apparently this movie spawned the the term when it came to like pitch meetings of Die Hard in or on a became the shorthand way of describing a film's plot. It, it was kind of like Jaws where it was like Jaws, but in space for alien and like, or yeah. Jaws, but with a Shamu whale. And, <laughs> yeah. Like... and, and yeah. And it, cause it, a lot of movies try to, I mean, it's what, look, it's what every industry does when something's super successful and it's different. Mm-hmm. A lot of imitators come along. So yeah, a lot of people trying to do the whole like lone wolf overwhelming odds and you're in something restricted like a building or vents. And the part that is just crazy is well, one, I see that Die Hard received four Academy Award nominations. It deserved it. (laughs) No, I'm not saying it's not saying it's wrong. It's just awesome. But it is now considered one of the greatest action films ever, despite the fact it was had mixed reviews. And apparently it has been deemed culturally, historically, uh, has been basically deemed so significant. It's now in the Library of Congress mm-hmm. and was selected for preservation in 2017, which is a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people, like, even since its release, I, I think a lot of people were like, wow, okay, like Rickman, obviously, like Alan Rickman, amazing. And he would go on to have quite a successful career, I must say. And mm-hmm. McTiernan, the guy who directed it, he, if I'm not mistaken, he also did Predator. I, I, am I, I right on that? Me. I don't. Maybe. I like the name have... looks familiar, so I'm like, I'm pretty sure he did it. But we're yeah, about I'm to not... find out pretty soon. If I'm nope, he did it. He did Predator. Yep. Well, there you go. So he did two of the best action movies ever, and we'll we'll get to Predator in the future. But it, it makes sense right. now. I of course. I'm... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to your point, like especially now you said, I'm like. Yeah, I can see where the guy that made Die Hard made Predator. Mm-hmm. I see it. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. You know, back to back, like ace in the hole on that. Yeah, I love. So it, it had really good editing. It got nominated for best film editing, visual effects, uh, sound effects, and then sound, which I mean deserved more than that. But the fact that it's an action movie is getting acknowledgement like that on that level is still awesome. I I love oh, that because this movie it, it's become more than a cult classic like pretty much everyone in general is like yeah Die Hard's top tier action movie it's it's up there with Predator it's up there with First Blood and I mean there's the a reason Christmas why you get that ever. many sequels yeah <laughs> like they have less sequels than normal but that might it you know you never know why exactly like sometimes movie franchises move in a different direction and or yeah. they're, they're like, oh, we don't know what we want to do yet. Or they focus on a different project. It's called development hell. And <laughs> yeah, no, it, and it's a real thing. But I did also like a, and a point. And we've been hint, we've been talking about it 
throughout the episode, but it pulls up how McLean was such a breath of fresh air because it showed a vulnerable hero mm-hmm. that, like we've said many times, like, and trust me, I know it's like, especially like when you see the commercial now where they have the diehard battery you can buy at AutoZone. Yeah. Which makes me wish I didn't have a new car. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to buy that <laughs> so battery. So I can just replace it with just, it's it's just a normal battery, but with like a diehard DLC skin. And I, <laughs> I don't care. It's a diehard battery. Also, but, also <laughs> another thing about this movie, this was one of the movies, several of this year, alongside The Last Temptation of Christ, which, I mean, it'll make sense once I tell you who said this. But The Last Temptation of Christ, Bull Durham, and A Fish Called Wanda were all labeled morally objectionable by the Roman Catholic Church. And I think that might also hurt why some people view it as not a Christmas movie. Just because of that longstanding idea of like in their head, they're like, they see it and they're like, oh, well, I associate like Christmas movies with like cheer and happiness and only that and like, you know, like elves and Santa Whereas Die Hard is like, no, this is set during Christmas and it has Christmas themes and Christmas decorations and Christmas music, but it's focused on a man trying to get back to his family and it's violent and people die. I did not know that it was labeled morally objectionable, uh, objectionable. And I think that's a bit silly. I do. I mean, no, especially looking back on it, it is, but like, it's, it's what it is, it's, but yeah, it's uh, Die Hard. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's just, I don't know what else to say. Cause obviously Die Hard is a movie that it speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why in uh, Brooklyn nine, nine, it's Jake's favorite movie that he quotes constantly. Yeah. And the, when they get to go to LA and they actually go to well, Ford Plaza or not, uh, Fox Plaza, which is where, you know, quote unquote, Nakatomi tower is. And Jake is just losing his mind the entire time. <laughs> It's awesome. It, it's iconic. This is an iconic movie. And the best thing that you can do if you haven't already seen this movie is watch it. Number one, if you are an aspiring action movie writer or you just love action in general, this is a movie that you are required to watch. And I'm I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I kind of am. Watch this movie. <laughs> it's amazing. And you'll you'll have a great time. It It's a great R rated film. It's not. I don't think it's morally objectionable objectionable i actually think that it's very family centric and it actually has a really good message to that as well too it's it's a great movie it's iconic and you need to watch it in conclusion that's my opinion it's the highest thing that i can recommend but you know it's on hbo max so you guys can watch that but speaking of platforms that these things are on we the internet world order are Still on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Overcast. We are everywhere. You cannot hide from us. But (laughs) with that being said, (laughs) I am Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And we are the Internet World Order. We will see you guys soon. See you guys.